and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast ahead of another crucial weekend of national hunt racing. We have got a treat in store for you, mainly at Sandown, but we'll be covering Aintree as well, because that is, of course, what is on ITV on Saturday. And to go through the action, I have Tony Calvin and Daryl Carter. And because you two are so good, we just binned off everyone else. Isn't that right, Daryl? <laughs> I don't know about that. No, no, no. It's a tricky weekend this weekend. We could do all that we could get. Yeah, that is true, actually. A few darts to throw at the board would be quite helpful. Maybe I'll throw some names into the mix, get off the bridle for once. Uh, TC, yeah. should we jump straight into Weather Watch? Yeah. New weather Watch, pretty important this week, being a bit all over the shop, currently lashing it down in Colworth, what it's worth. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was meant to be really bad towards the end of the week at Sandown, but it's it's much improved forecast. So obviously, Constitution Hill looks set to run at this point. But at Sandown, we're currently soft um, on both tracks, but it's good to soft in places on the chase course and heavy on the hurdles course. Uh, they've had 1.2. We're recording this two o'clock on Thursday. They've had 1.2 mil today, do another three mil or so, and another seven mil on Saturday. So. I think it will be soft across the board and soft stroke heavy in places uh, on the hurdles course. That should be okay for Constitution. Aintree is a whole different ball game. It's currently soft on all courses. Uh, we have a good soft in places on the hurdles and, and chase track, but currently raining there now. Um, due much more rain today, about seven mil. Tomorrow it's raining again. Saturday it looks very grim. They could get up to about 20 mil from now onwards. So, I'm working on the basis of soft stroke heavy at Aintree. Oh, Lordy. Hard work for the beach chase and the other races we'll be covering up there. Uh, stay tuned for that. We've got a juvenile up there and a couple of handicaps as well. Uh, but before we go any further, TC, another shout to you because exchange customers out there may have seen something a bit different when using the Betfair Exchange, including this Betfair Beacons emoji, which has appeared recently. Can you expand a little bit on them and why they will be helpful for the exchange customers? Yeah, we won't, we aren't going to the, the technicals and and how much has to be traded at certain prices for the for the emojis to appear. But yeah, basically, um, it's very 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 simple. If you get a fire emoji by a horse's name, that means it's shortening. That means it's popular in the market. If it's an ice emoji, it means it's a drifter, and is currently and currently is the uh, is the crucial word. Currently, very easy to back. So yeah, I mean, general rule of thumb. Fire, positive, ice, negative. But as we all know with the exchange, it can change. So keep them peeled, uh, especially near the off when the liquidity really arrives. Interesting. Seems so simple to use. <laughs> Hopefully that will help people out there on the exchange. And before we go any further, don't forget a few offers this weekend. Obviously, Betfair sponsor weekend at Sandown, which we'll be cracking on with shortly. But you get a completely free bet on horse racing multiples with the sports book this weekend. Plus, there's loads of extra place races. Uh, but you must read the T's and C's and you must opt in for that offer. Please read the T's and C's in the show's description and do it responsibly. Right. That is all the housekeeping out of the way, boys. It's just the three of us. So let's crack straight on. Into Sandown we go. And what a Brucey bonus this is because of the rearranged fighting fifth from Newcastle last Saturday. It now means that we get the Betfair fighting fifth hurdle, grade one, 115. The first race ITV will be showing from Sandown on Saturday. And we get to see Constitution Hill. And he is currently 
only one to five at the top of the market over Love Envoy next best at seven to one. You wear it well at tens. Shishkin in there at sixteens. Obviously a stepping stone to other things, but will you or won't he jump off? And then Goshen, the enigma that is, along with Not So Sleepy, who has of course dead heated in this race up at Newcastle in the past. So betting contest. I was going to call it an intriguing race. It's got so many different angles, Daryl, but from a betting point of view, people tune in for winners and Constitution Hill just wins, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. But Nikki's played, fair play to Nikki for chucking Shishkin in here because it just changes the whole dynamic of what would would probably be a bit of a boring race just watching Constitution Hill canter through. But I can't wait to see what Shishkin does in this. It's fascinating for me. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the betting without market because I think that I think there's a few few wrong prices in here. I, I wouldn't have uh, the, the two girls as second and third favourite for me. I would have Shishkin shorter than what he is. I think he's. I don't know why he's been so disrespected in the market. Really, he's a supreme novice winner. I know he's got his quirks now, but he's only refused to race the once. You know, he's got a fabulous first time out record, like unblemished apart from an unseat. Like, you know, he's, it's not out of the realms of possibility that he follows home his stable, mate. And uh, I can't wait to see what the price is going to be. The other one is um, is Goshen. And, and I know you're going to laugh, but I'm quite pleased to see they put cheap pieces on him in this scenario. OK, if Goshen needs a scenario, it's deep ground at Sandown, obviously right handed um, with a good pace on. And uh, he's going to get all of those things today lining up for him now. Look, his top RPR here at Sandown was 160. So that was when he was a 15-length winner last year. He's obviously was involved in a slowly run race over two mile five with Nappers Hill when we last saw him at this venue. But he runs really well at Sandown. He's 33 to one. He's never going to beat Constitution Hill in a million years. But in that without market, I think there's enough holes in the other horses that perhaps he could be a bit of a decent shout. Um, so fascinating race. Constitution Hill wins. Can't wait to see the without market tomorrow. Okay, without market, the way you're playing it, and I presume so many others out there, including potentially UTC. Um, probably won't be having a bet in the race. You've got, I suppose, there's a chink of light with Constitution Hill because obviously the last time we saw him, he wasn't overly impressive against his stellar best, was he? But that was over two mile four at the end of the season, so you could forgive him. That was slightly underwhelming performance. Um, He's eight to one. Uh, sorry, he's even money with a sports book to win by eight lengths or more. Uh, so lengthen your odds there. Just had a look, and there's about twelve different uh, options. So you you want to go go higher or lower? You, you know the odds change accordingly. So that's good there. Uh, there is some um, without betting around in the in the wider marketplace. Um, uh, Daryl will be probably interested in the fact that Goshen is elevens without somewhere. Um, obviously the sports book normally go up about Friday afternoon onwards on those kind of markets. So keep an eye out there. Not so sure about the cheap pieces for Goshen. He's worn them twice before and finished last on both occasions. So, but it's, it's a really, really tricky race. You don't have to have a bet in this race, clearly, do you? Uh, and it's, there's loads of potential pace angles as well. And obviously Constitution Hill might go out and make it simple himself and take himself out of danger. So plenty of, uh, question marks in this race, but, uh, not a betting race for me. Okay, well, let's roll on. We will stick with UTC then to yet another grade one. What a treat at Sandown. This time it's the Betfair Henry VIII Novices Chase over the two miles as well for the Novice Chasers. And JPR 
one is your 15 to 8 favourite to right the wrong of the fall at Cheltenham when we last saw him when looking like the winner or the most likely winner at the last and unseating um, he is 15 to 8 at the top of the market Colonel Harry next best at 7 to 2 uh, ICO is in there at 7 to 2 as well an unexpected party a kind of nearly horse little bit at 7 to 2 Petite Donaire at 12s um, is this more of a betting contest for you and, and is JPR1 really the sort of is everyone forgiving him for what happened at the last at Cheltenham? Um, well, it's a, obviously it's a very very tricky race, isn't it? Uh, but the thing that screams out to you when you look at it first off is that it's the pace angle. You got five of five of these have actually gone forward in in the very recent past. So you know JPR one probably only went forward last time because that, there was no other pace in that race. But there certainly is here. Um, if you're looking at the betting. Um, Petit Tonera 12s with the sports book. That's that's the best price around. That's probably on the big side. Class wise, he's probably pretty much on a par with these. Um, you know, they rode in cold off the pace last time. Um, you know, it was a decent run. Obviously, he would have finished third behind JPR one if that would have stood up and and Long Public. But yeah, I think it was a decent race. You know, he's a obviously very, very good handicap hurdler. And if he has come on for that Cheltenham run. Um, and they do a bit, go a bit lickety split up front and they, they ride in cold like they did last time, then I think 12s is on the big side. So if you ask me at the current prices, what I'll bet, it would probably be Petit Tonnerre and the Stabler in quite good form as well. So uh, uh, I'm not really a fan of back in this stable, but uh, yeah, Petit Tonnerre at 12s is too big. Okay. For the John Joe O'Neill team. Yeah. Um, what about you, Daryl? Which way are you playing it? Do you think the favourite is a fair price? I think he's a fair price. I don't yeah. think um I wasn't blown away. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching the way he jumped at Cheltenham, but I wasn't blown away when I sort of did the the, the figures after the race and, and the comparisons and whatnot. And it, it was clear he got a very, very soft lead. Brendan Powell got a good breather into him coming around the home bend after the third last and then kicked away again. So, look, this is going to be a completely different scenario, softer ground, which shouldn't be an issue, but going right-handed, lots of pace in a race, jumping under pressure. Um, yeah, look, I can see him going well. Um, I've got a line on every horse in here because I had a negative. I thought Petit Tonnerre, I think he's a two and a half miler. Like, that, was a, that was a fairly slowly run race at Cheltenham behind JPR1. He was always hunting up the gallop. He was always, you know what I mean? He was always looking like they were going a yard too quick for him. So perhaps slower ground here and, and a pace collapse would definitely suit him. So he should be in the mix. But Colonel Harry is the one I'm going to side with. I thought this was quite impressive when he won at Chepstow after after reviewing the race. Uh, his jumping just warmed at every single fence. He was better and better. He got his legs up quick. He was he was really improving. He should be unbeaten over fences as well. He fell in his second point to point or first point to point. Um, so he's pretty much three for three over fences in my eyes. He's a horse that's going to get better uh, with it, with every single run. Interesting that Jamie Snowden used that Chepsoe race with that's all right, Gino, and that could be absolutely nothing. But, you know, creatures of habit are trainers sometimes. I think um, there's too much between the JPR1 and, and Clonan Harry in the market. Slight caveat with, with, with Harry is that he was jumping out to the left here in his two runs at Sandown. He didn't do that running left-handed and he didn't do that over fences. So he's only done it when he's gone this way round, which is strange because normally you'd see a slight sign of it in other races, but we didn't there. So I think he's uh, the most likely winner in my book. Uh, so I'll be sticking with him at 72. I think it's a fair price. All right. 
Fair price for the second favourite then. Uh, Daryl, let's stick with you for the next race, the Rachel Blackmore Serial Winners Fund Handicap Hurdle over the two miles again and some interesting types in here. We saw Impose Toi, is that how you say it? A two to one is top of the market currently and he was very impressive. Well, you know, I thought he won it snugly at Cheltenham when we last saw him beating Donica, the favourite. Um, and he was sent off favourite that day. And Spirit Danu is next best in the market at nine to two for the Gary Moore team. Um, our Coob is in there at sevens. Those are the top three in the market currently. This is obviously a little bit more competitive handicap hurdle for us to get stuck into, Daryl. But I just thought that this JP horse. I don't know. I don't think we've reached this ceiling height yet. I know he's got a 10 pound hike in the weights for it, but I just feel like there's plenty more to come. Yeah, you could well be right. Um, 10 pound hike in the weights, different ground conditions to contend with today. Um, but yeah, he's, he looks a progressive horse. Like again, he, when I did the hurdle race on that Cheltenham card, he didn't come out nowhere near the best of the, of the rest, but he, he won with a good bit up in his hand. Uh, two to one, I can leave alone. It's four places on the Betfair Sportsbook for this. Um, so I was going to take an each way, filthy each way chance and spirit Danu, who I thought ran with extreme credit at, uh, at Cheltenham. I just thought he was so, so king for much and much of the race. And then he ran on again at the finish. And I just thought it was a performance that suggested he was going to come on for the run. He was well back that day to beat uh, Blue King. Daru's obviously gone out and won a, a, a grade two next time out. So look, he recorded one of the fastest times on the card for me that day. Um, so I'm happy to side with him back at Sandown in a bog. I think uh, Noel Houlihan claiming three off means he's three pound lower. I think he should be going close. So yeah, nine to two each way. He's not normally my bet, Vanessa, but um, I will in this case. A filthy each way bet with the extra places. Love it, Daryl. Here for it. We're all here for it. What do you make of that, TC? Are you are you um, disgusted by Daryl's filthy each way poke? Well, that filthy because he's sevens elsewhere. So, uh, so oh. Oh. <laughs> you're paying for the filthiness, but you're getting in it. Only we work of a bet fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we uh, listeners aren't stupid, are they? So you got you got to tell them the facts. Um, yeah, I I thought in Partois, when it the first betting came up, the five to two was immediately taken with the sports book this morning. Um, you can see it, can't you? I mean, ten pounds is the most they could have given the horse uh, for just over a two length win, but it was a decent time. There were two you beat two last time out winners. Uh, you know, he's just the obvious profile horse in there. Um, but I couldn't be backing him at twos. Um I've had a bet in the race. Um, I back there is no doubt at 33s each way four places. Now he's the old man of the party. He obviously is the least sexy horse in the race with a load of four-year-olds and five-year-olds in there. But what he is, we all know how heavy the uh, Sandown track hurdles track is, and uh, it's going to be pretty testing there. He stays two mile four. He's got heavy ground form. I'll forgive him his his run at um, Ascot last time. He, if you go back and have a look at the replay. He made a mistake at the first and he could never get anywhere near the lead. And this horse has run most of his best races when going from the front or been ridden prominently. Um, and I'm just going back to his Perth win uh, three starts ago, beat a couple of subsequent winners in Cuban Cigar and Park and NCA'd, and he's only £4 higher. I just thought, I mean, I'll probably, I mean, I backed him already and I'll have a look at when the without betting comes in because I, I do think the, the favourite will probably win, but 
I'm not backing him at twos in that ground at Sandown. It's uh, it's a graveyard for for you know for strong travellers when, when push comes to shove after the last. But yeah, there is no doubt just because in the conditions, and I just think he's I think he's fairly handicapped, and I couldn't see that much pace in the race. Maybe Jupiter De Geet, um, and I did for another one as well. Oh yeah, too friendly maybe, but I can't see that one blasting off in the ground. But yeah, there is no doubt. Thirty threes each way, four places with a sportsman. Okay, wonderful. Well, that, well, then, is there any doubt, lovely little link into the Betfair Tingle Creek, about John Bond, who is now two to nine to win this? We do get to see him up against Edward Stone. That obviously looked a little bit unlikely at one stage this week, but he is currently in here. He is six to one second favourite. Boot Hill next best at 14s. Haddock, the Zobo in there at 16s. And Nube Negro, pretty much like, Kind of the forgotten horse at 20s, but maybe his best days are behind him. So TC, is it going to be, well, it's highly likely to be a quick fire double for the JP McManus team. What, if anything, gets John Bon beat in this race with this field on this ground? Well, we, you say there is no doubt. There is a bit, a little bit of doubt to the race because we don't know if Edward, Edward Stone's going to go to the Peterborough Chase over two mile four on Sunday, but there's an inspection uh, at that track on Friday morning. So keep an eye out from that. Uh, I don't know where they're going to go because it sounds like, you know, hunting and if they get any more rain, the, I think the river's going to, bank's going to burst and well, that'll make his mind up for him. So hopefully he comes here. If he comes here in the same form as winning this race last year, then John Bond's got a rival. I mean, he, Edward Stone was 170 after winning that race last year and that's the mark that John Bond's on. And obviously he's got a big a big margin to turn around from there running the slur. But so, you know, John Bond is, would have a very worthy rival if, if the real deal came, uh, real deal Edward Stone turns up. Um, I've had, a, I've been tracking this market the way the Betfair Sportsbook have been playing it. And they were, they didn't want any money on John Bond anti-post. They were shortest at falls on anti-post. They couldn't have taken a bean on him because he was obviously a lot shorter, a lot bigger elsewhere. And they're going two to nine now, which is the shortest around as well. I just think they the odds compilers might have kept their powder dry with this horse. I think maybe when the when the real markets come up on Friday evening, I'm just wondering whether they'll go out to get John Bond if Edward Stone's a runner. So that you like I said, they they've kept him on side. It could be one of those ones where they want to try and get him on the day. Um, and if Edward Stone turns up in decent, in you know, in his best form, they could get a result, but I think that as as it stands, I mean, if you ask me to have a better at the moment, I'll, I'll back Edward Stone at sixes, but um, I'm not having a better at this point and I probably won't. Daryl, obviously, as TC's already outlined, it is ifs and buts in regards to Edward Stone. The biggest if being, will he show up? But the second biggest if, as TC has said, is is, you know, we haven't seen him in that sort of form in 12 months since this race last year. And although the team seems happy enough after the run in the Schler chase, like, I don't know if they're just sort of accepting the fact now that John Bon is a better horse than them at this stage in their career anyway. I don't know about that. I thought they rode him at Cheltenham sort of with the notion that he was going to come on for the run. Uh, okay. And uh, I'd, I'd hope they go here because I agree with everything that Tony just said. I would back Edward Stone in this race. Um, obviously, they both ran on the same card last year, didn't they, in the in this race and in the Henry VIII. 
very, very little separating them. But the races were completely differently run. Like John Bond had a very soft lead. I think he got to the pen, uh, the pond fence, 15 lengths behind the Tingle Creek. So he had things all to himself. Uh, he came home faster than Edward Stone did. But overall, there was not a lot between them. And I think there's too much between them in the market, six to one and two to nine. Now, look, Edward Stone has got to come on for that run at Cheltenham. He's beaten nine lengths there. But he's unbeaten going right-handed. He loves Sandown. You know, there are reasons to think, and with deeper ground, perhaps on the day, maybe that would favour Edward Stone, who's a heavy ground winner, um, over John Bond, who's perhaps not completely proven himself in deep conditions. So, yeah, I, I agree with Tony. Um, the, the the only bet I would have is is Edward Stone at six to one. Uh, hopefully, part of that part of that bet would be the fact that hopefully Haddock's Dezobo would go and make the run in, perhaps not give John Bon a soft lead on his own because with a horse like Edward Stone, you're always going to give away a couple of lengths at the start of the race, given given how he's ridden. Um, but I think he would be the bet in the race for me personally. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? It is fascinating. And I so hope that he does show up because without him as the, in the, on the basis that we've actually just previewed the race without mentioning any of the other runners, it really is a substandard grade one or Tingle Creek renewal without Edward Stone. So fingers crossed he does show up and fingers crossed he's in the form he was when he won it 12 months ago. And then as TC and Daryl have pointed out, then we have a race on to look forward to in the Betfair Tingle Creek. On to the next TC. Uh, this is the Betfair Exchange London National Handicap Chase. Ten runners in here and it's going to be hard work over the three miles, four and a half furlongs. So who is going to stick it out best? At the moment, Fontaine Collange is your five to two favourite and it will be her seasonal reappearance. Uh, she is taking on the likes of Beauport for Nigel Twiston Davis, who has that that run under his belt at 11 to 4. Broken Halo in there for Paul Nichols at 8 to 1. Certainly Red Lydia Richards at 8 to 1 has also had a run. Cyclop in there at 8. He's been seeing lots of these staying races um, more recently. Fortescue as well. There was so much hype around him and the National at one stage. Uh, he is 10 to 1. Truckers Lodge in there at 10s. Um, yeah, TC, we will start with you who is going to stay this trip out the best in these sort of conditions if we get the rain that's forecast now just quickly going back to the Tingle Creek um, yeah I've just seen Jack Tudor's on Haddock's Desobo, which surprises me um, but yeah it's uh, obviously Noel Houlihan's but it's right he's riding the uh, in the fighting fifth but not not on the stable running that so um, just on the side there um yeah, this was a really tricky race. The first thing to say here is it's effectively an eight-runner race, not a ten-runner race, because Fortescue and Cyclop, their first preference is in the national trial at Chepstow. So right. uh, if you are playing into those sportsbook markets now, expect to rule four if they go down their intended route elsewhere. Um, Fontaine Collonge is... <sighs> It's a bit obvious, but, I mean, the sportsbook are ducking him at five to two. You can see why he's got a good record fresh. Um, you know, he's on a decent mark, will like the ground. Uh, but you know, he's had a wind up. But you know, they, they were talking about getting him out for Haydock, where he won first time out last year, but he obviously didn't get to that that Betfair sponsored meeting. So I wonder if he's had a little bit of a setback. And I thought they might not run him here because he's he's 24, he's 24 and there's for the Welsh National. He goes really well when fresh. And he probably will get into that if they didn't run him here. So, but anyway, yeah, he's got he's got a very good chance. Um, 
I really couldn't see a massive, I couldn't really see a bet in the race, really. Uh, couldn't see much pace in the race either, actually. Uh, maybe Boldmere, maybe Corsoran has gone in, uh, gone forward in the past. Corsoran is just a winner waiting to happen of 126 and John Jay's back on, but showed absolutely zero um, in three starts this season, which is why he's tumbled down the weights. So, uh, no, I thought Fontaine Collins is obvious, but I'm not playing a five to two. All right. Are you having a bet in this race, Daryl? No, I couldn't find any betting angle at all in this race. Um, and obviously, with, with the horses likely to come out, I did. I was quite half keen on Cyclops if he was to run the way he finished off his race behind good boy Bobby last time at Sandown. Um, Ill relish conditions, I think. But if he's going to go to Chepstow, then it changes things for me. So, yeah, sorry, no bet. Don't worry. We, we don't mind a no bet race. Won't other people for that these days. Um, let's move on then, Aintree. Um, Aintree, I meant <laughs> let's move on, Daryl, to Aintree. And I will stick with you, Daryl, here because we will cover the ITV races up at Aintree and we will kick off with the handicap chase over the two miles, four furlongs at 1.30. That is the first ITV race. A uh, bit of a change to their schedule, but that is the first race they'll be showing on ITV. And Heltonham is your three to one favourite in here. Nice, wide open, competitive betting contest brave seska at seven to two for venetia williams rich richmond lake in there at seven to two as well warlord six to one old favorite warlord uh, donna's double in there at eight and that's just the top few in the market um so did you have a betting did you have a betting angle into this race daryl given how competitive it is yeah it was a hope hoping for a repeat of last year if you'd have told me last year after brave siaska won this race the way he run it the way he won it that he would yeah. be in a naught to one four five ever again in his life I would have said you're mad oh. but here we are here we are 12 months later and he's a pound lower um, it wasn't the most inspiring run in the in the Howland Gold Cup last time but I thought he did show a bit of spark for a, for a long enough to suggest that he may come on for the run now he could be fooled into thinking that he's got a great record fresh given he won this race in emphatic style last season but previous to that he'd always come on for the run second time out um, and perhaps he was targeted at this race specifically last year whereas this time around it almost looked like wind surgery prep run back here so hopefully he can reproduce the performance he put in last year because if he does Jesus like no one no one to touch him it was a outstanding performance last year uh, I'd fear Richmond Lake I think that's a progressive horse uh, going places Warlord's obviously going to run well in these sort of races as well um, but for me I think if he reproduces last year's run and hopefully he will Brave Siaska will take a world beating Like it and at 7-2 to two as well I'm sure lots of people will get stuck in with that angle um, TC over to you for this obviously you're hoping that what Daryl's outline for Brave Seska uh, is going to be the case and that this is going to be the main sort of early season target for him if you're backing him. Did you have anything at a bigger price elsewhere that you wanted to throw into the mix? Yeah, I backed two in this. Um, I oh. backed, um, there are a couple of points bigger elsewhere, but I think the 16s is very, very fair on both. I'm backing a win only. The first one's Daily Tiger. Um Ran best race for Laura Morgan last time when when uh, over two miles at Haydock. I know he's beaten a long way, but it was a step in the right direction of some sorts. Handicap has dropped him over three pounds. He's now twenty eight pounds lower than when joining Morgan from Noel Mead. Uh, now I know he's a light year away from when he chased him in Ergamine in the hilly way, but um, yeah, a mark of one hundred and twenty two after showing a little bit more last time. 
step up to a two mile four will will suit. I thought that was quite interesting. I've also uh, backed uh, a horse that I backed and was going to tip last week before Newcastle was off. That's a wave of the sea on his oh, first yeah. Ben Haslam. Now, this is this is very interesting because I I think he's not as potentially well handicapped as as um, uh, as Daily Tiger, but I think two mile four is quite a sweet spot for this horse. Now he won a valuable two mile one race at the uh, DRF in 2022. It's obviously coming here on the back of a good run in the Munster National. Uh, and what's really sold it for me is. Um, Ben Haslam had three in this at the four day at uh, the five day stage. He had Seal Denege, another JP McManus switcher, and he also had more pertinently, he had the hat trick seeking Arthur's key. Now he just relies on one here, which is the wave of the sea. So hopefully um, that is significant. But so yeah, in a race where I couldn't have Brave Fiasco after that run last time, and I I will. I could pick holes with that's all the ones at the top of the market. I'll play them both when I'm at 16 to 1 with the sports book. They're the kind of horses, actually, that you give them that they are very unsexy profiles and they could be massive drifters. I mean, these could be the horses that got the, the ice icon in just before the race. They could be, they could be not an ice, it could actually be kind of like, you know, um, yeah, it could be mountains of ice with these two, but I'm happy to take them on. And if they drift, I'll just go in again. Love it. Okay. Currently, both of those two horses, 16 to 1 on the sports book in the Antipose market. Um, TC, I shall stick with you for the beach of chase, please. Three miles, two furlongs up over the national fences, as we know. Ashtown Lad is back to try and do it again. He won the race last year, but he doesn't come here under quite the same preparation for a yard who's just had a few question marks about some more fancy horses and Ashtown Loud is currently four to one um, just a point bigger than percussion in here for that lady again Laura Morgan at five to one the big breakaway at sevens that is your top three in the market TC what are we saying about Ashtown Loud and doing this again around the Nash in this race again are we are you with or against him uh, wouldn't be backing him at that price um, and what we should say is in the, in the previous race I meant to say that I, I Fair play to ITV because they saw the intended race was only a five-runner mare's chase and they saw that the handicap chase was a 10-runner race. And for betting turnover, well, they, they've done the right thing in switching them around. So fair play to them showing the right race for the opener at Aintree. Obviously, this is another good race. I couldn't really see a betting to the race, but what I wouldn't do, I wouldn't have Coco Beach in a, a double-figure price in here. Now, um, his presence in the race is significant because percussion has to the second favourite has to run from six pound out of the handicap. Now, there's always a trade-off between effectiveness over proven effectiveness over the national fences and a horse that's running six pound out of the handicap. But I couldn't have come back percussion at that kind of price when he's that far out of the weights. Uh, but Coco Beach, everyone's dismissing him, it seems, because he's off a mark of 162 here. Um but the reason why he's 162 here because he deserves it. In fact, we all know the difference between the Irish and the English marks, but the Irish handicap has gone on 161. So the English handicapper hasn't gone overboard by just giving him a pound extra. And he's in the form of his life. That Troy Town win was a quite a dominant, uh, dominant win. Um, yeah, I, I quite keen. I mean, obviously he got pulled up in the national last uh, earlier in the year, but 
he, he gave his rider a, a proper spin when he was eighth the year before, going from the front. Um, so, yeah, I thought Coco Beach, a uh, double-figure price on the exchange. Um, if I have a bet in the race, uh, which is unlikely at the moment, but I might chuck a few quid at Coco Beach. And if he's got an ice emoji next to his name, so much the better, because the more they drift, the more I have <laughs> Coco Beach, the dude that is your Troy Town winner, currently 10s. Uh, on the sports book, but may well drift before the off. And like TC says, excellent current form. Daryl, did you find a bet away from the obvious Ashtown at the top of the market? Yeah, I thought Ashtown lad had to really dig deep in this race last year, and it sort of worried me a bit. They down tools in the top of him uh, on his next go over the fences. So yeah, I, I'd be against him. Um, percussions, the obvious one. That's uh, that's probably going to run his race. I quite like Celeb Dallin um, for this. Uh, this was a horse I followed last season. I was just so frustrated with him because I wanted him to go up and trip, and, and they just kept holding off and. He's an 11-year-old, but he's a pretty lightly raced 11-year-old. He's had 13 starts over fences. Now, he, he bolted up here in October, and he was under Elizabeth Gale claiming 10. So he's like, he's effectively up 20 pounds from one third. Well, because she was claiming 10 off up to 140. But he has one off 135, and he I think he should have won it at the Cheltenham Festival plate if given a better ride off 141. Now, the interesting thing with him was, when he ran over these fences behind Bill Baxter in the Tottenham Chase, he ran over um, a horse called Up in the Ante that fell right in front of him. He was travelling fine. He literally ran right over the top of it, a bit like bloody Dusart did last week in the Coral Gold Cup. Ran right over him, and I thought, uh, obviously, that's him done. But he stayed on really strongly at the finish, uh, and that was over 2.5. He definitely wants three miles. If you just watch the, the horses crossing the line in that Bill Baxter race and just wait for him to come past and see how hard he hits that line compared to everyone else. Like, I think there's more to come from him. Um, he, like I say, very lightly raced 11-year-old. Uh, I think he, he'd go very well here. So eight to one each way for me. Um, I think he's got a decent chance. Just to say, Coco Beach, when you mentioned he was eight, good spin and eighth, he was beaten 66 lengths, Tone. <laughs> yeah, I know, but the, the national was over a four miles, not not three mile two. Ooh, someone's done their maths then, 66 lengths off four miles. What's that? <laughs> That's a good question, Daryl. I was bad at maths. How are you playing? Basically, he didn't stay the national trip. Uh, we get that, we get that. Now, TC, <laughs> let's talk about the juvenile hurdle, which is up next. Uh, the 240 at Aintree, two miles and just the one furlong and horses of differing profiles in here because the marker sided with Max of Stars, the filly in here um, for Brian Hughes and Ollie Pears at nine to four, top of the market, 11 to four, Le Fauve, next best for Dan Skelton, having a first run over from France, um, the Skelton team. Then you've got Lehari in here for Paul Nichols at seven to two, also unexposed on these shores, Eagle Prince in there at tens but in terms of the market being around max of stars and the more experience i suppose she has and the fact that she's got more of a profile over here what do we make of the less exposed rivals behind her in the market yeah we, we need your horsey experience here because max of stars was she was due to run at ludlow on Mon on wednesday yeah she got pulled out with a girth goal a girth goal, so that is. I know what I know what it is, but how significant is it? I don't know what it is. What is it? It's basically a it's basically a, a saw that you get around the saddle. Oh. So they couldn't get the saddle on her to actually run her at Ludlow on um, on Wednesday, and they they did pull her out on Monday. So 
she had she would have had about five days to overcome it but i just wanted if it's i wanted to know if it's a lingering problem it's one of those things that's probably only happened because someone's put like the saddle pad on and some things rubbed her in a very specific place. You know, if you wore like your sock and it catched on your welly or something, yeah, it's very easily healed, but it will probably flare up again if it was caught again. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, I, I did, did have a goo. I did have a look at it. They, they did say if, if something's not put on right, it's like, so mm-hmm. anyway, I just thought I'd add it there. I mean, it's, it might be of no significance whatsoever, but uh, it was obviously serious enough that they couldn't get a saddle on her to run her on Wednesday. So that's uh, maybe of mild interest. I had a good look at all the ITV races on Tuesday, and I was toying with part of Knight of Allen on the on the basis on the most spurious case that he actually went off at a quite a short price uh, for a Grade Two one by Burdett Road um, on his debut. Um, he was 22 to 1 that day and it was quite a little bad each way race um, and it, but he only went off at 27 on the exchange and um, I thought that was significant for a horse having his first run anywhere I mean I'm a big fan of the James Williams stable anyway um, and they've won with two of the last four runners but I thought Knight of Allen he got two, taken out of the first that day but they obviously saw something obviously saw something in it at home for him to go off that short and Funny enough, Eagle Prince, who actually finished fourth in that race, went off a bet for SBS 75. So, um, Knight of Allen, half brother to Galahad Quest, 16 to 1. I couldn't tip it because I can't make I can't make a cogent case for it. But just on the pure betting alone, about the, the price he went off at in the grade two at Cheltenham, in a much better race than this, suggests to me that 16s. I'll probably chuck a. I'll probably just chuck a score at it, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't put it up as a tip because it's basically a guess. Night of Allen. It's a guess. As... On betting grounds alone. What about you, Daryl? Are you taking a guess in here? An educated guess? Well, I'll, I'll just keep it short and sweet. No, because that's exactly what I would be doing with most of these. Uh, to be honest with you, guessing. I, I. It's there's so little information outside of the favourite that. Uh, it's just going to be a mayhem for me to get involved in this. I think I just I can't I can't put a, an accurate tissue together. So yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it. I, I suspect the Max of Stars would be hard to beat if she reproduces the Newbury one, Newbury run. That's for sure. Yeah, with all that experience, and we don't really know what some of those French raiders have under their bonnet. They're less exposed types. Last race to discuss, guys. At Angel. The handicap hurdle is over the two miles and the four furlongs. Um, Sonny Gino will be a favourite here for Paul Nichols. Basher's reflection in there for Ben Case. Vicky Vale as well for that, that that team. Again, the skeleton operation, they could have a very good day up at Aintree. Everything comes together on the day. Daryl, I'll let you take first swing at this handicap hurdle, please. Yeah, quite interested in the move up and trip for Chance of Tune of Nigel Twiston Davies. I think he's a fairly big enough price here. Uh, I thought he was uh, just outpaced at a crucial stage at Ascot last time. I think, I think it's worth following that Ascot form. Obviously, Bad's come out and, and run well. That was a race that Knickerbocker Glory ran, uh, won from the front. Good speed figure that day, but uh, stayed on quite strongly at the running. But it was a crucial moment between the third last and second last where he was just outpaced around the bend, sticking up to the task again late on. This is a horse that's missed quite a bit of time. Um, is well handicapped on on old form. We go back to 2019 here. Um, 
but it just looks to be coming to the ball at the right time. Should enjoy a slog uh, if it gets deep and uh, is very, fairly handicapped off a mark of 116. And the last couple of performances just been suggesting that he's building to a bigger performance. So hopefully uh, he'll be ridden promptly. Sam Twist and Davies giving an aggressive ride towards the front because he will just keep galloping. Uh, he won't want to be caught too far out of his ground at a speed track like Angtree. And uh, if he can just keep rolling, I think he'll definitely be in the frame. So uh, 14s is, is very fair. Okay, yeah, currently 14 to 1 chance to tune for that team, Sam, Justin, Davis and Co. Um, what about UTC? Was this a race that you managed to find a bet in? Um, I'm still deliberating, but I think I might have found one, actually. But initial impressions of the races that the two favourites, Sonagino, um, was... Bash's reflection. Was, yeah, um, I thought they were the right ones. I mean, I was going to tip Bash's reflection earlier in the week, but the price went from eights to sixes just before I published. So I had to pull that. And he's now obviously 100 to 30. I think there could be plenty more to come from me. He is quite a tricky sort. And if you do back him, maybe put in a short in running late, Bash's reflection, because he does idle in front. It doesn't, you know, he really dosses once he gets to the, there. But, they, you know, he's only got up seven pounds for a convincing Weatherby win. Sonagino is very solid. Um, course and distance win, got form in heavy ground. Was coming back for more at the end. Nab fourth in the Greatwood Hurdle. Um, I can I can fully see the case for him, but the Stuart Crawford one down the bottom, Largy Shark, is really interesting here. Um, now, again, Park Annunciade was the nominal second favourite, a uh, second string. Um, ah, yes, this is your double green second string angle, TC. So obviously, you've got. Home St. George, I can really give a, a, a chance to as well. Um, um, Daryl Jake is on that, but Bromley claiming five, he's on Largy Shark. Now, and Largy Shark isn't obviously well handicapped because he's 114 in Ireland, 119 here, and he's coming off the back of a, you know, he was beaten a long way last time. But as Daryl will know, just because you're beaten a long way doesn't say, doesn't indicate you haven't shown promise. Now, go and have a look at his run at Navan last time and I actually thought he was coming to really play a hand after jumping the second last and I went and had a look at the in running price because I thought he might have gone quite short and he only hit nine to one in running which I thought was quite surprised but you go back and have a look at that uh, and that was over two miles I thought he was coming to play a real hand in it like I said and he, he dropped away tainly between the last two but he was weak in the market that day. That was his first run for ages. And, it, and crucially, it was over two miles. Now, he's back up to a more suitable trip here. And I just think with Bromley taking the five off and back up to his right trip over what I thought was quite an eye-catching run over an early trip last time, I thought Largy Shark, 16's four places of the sportsbook, is highly interesting. I haven't, I haven't backed him yet, um, and I'm not sure... I'll see if the price holds up before my column goes live on, on Friday. But if you can get 16 four places Largy Shark, I think you'd be in the right vicinity. There is some time walk for firm going 20s, but I can't see that lasting. 16 four places. If, you, if you're listening to this and it's there, I think that's a good price. Okay, we're finishing off with a solid bet then in the last double green perceived second string angle it's TC's theme of the season so far if this wins right that we just need naps now I think from you two 
Well, it's much easier directing the show and it's just two people. <laughs> um, Daryl, I will let you go first with your nap, please. I was going to try to guess it, but actually I can't. Go on. Yeah, uh, it's going to be Brave Siaska in the 130, Angie. Ah, yes. Just, just if he repeats the run he, of last year, like, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Case made, like it. And TC, what about you, your nap, please? Uh, 130, H3, split stakes on Wave of the Sea and Daily Tiger. He's doing Both it on purpose now. And <laughs> Currently 16s, yeah. And uh, yeah, there'll be ice icons and they'll go up about 34 and hopefully one of them will win. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much, boys. Good luck this weekend with your punting. Enjoy the racing action. Don't forget, listeners and viewers out there of the offer, you have a completely free bet on horse racing multiples on the Betfair Sportsbook this weekend, plus loads of extra place races. So go check out the website, but please do read the T's and C's. Please opt in and please gamble responsibly all weekend. Have a good one. Enjoy specifically Sandown because we've got a real treat there on the Betfair sponsored card. And join us again on Monday when we will be back with Wade In and loads of good horses to talk about. But for now, have a good weekend, everyone.